so glad you could be here to worship with us this morning. Please stand as we get started. this morning. Take a minute and greet somebody you don't know.
Now we do. Good morning. My name is Luke McLean. I'm the pastor of ministry development here at Crossroads. And so we just want to welcome you this morning. Got a lot of really cool things that I want to share. So how many of you have been praying for VBS this past week? Yeah, we really appreciate your prayers. God just did a crazy amount of stuff this week. So when I was talking to Courtney and the team, they were saying they're prepping for about 150 kids. And the first day we had 175. Way, way cool. Yeah, right. Praise God. Awesome. <clears throat> But here's a cool thing. Over the course of the week, over 200 little lives are running through the halls of this church, and we're really, really excited about that. So just lots of cool stuff, so thank you for praying. Um, but what I want to do is many of you, maybe you didn't really get to see a lot of what happened this week, and so I want to show you a quick uh, slideshow just to kind of catch you up and see some of these faces that we were able to influence this week. Thank you. 
Yes, just good stuff. You know, one of the things I said first hour was it is you just can't like sit in your seat when you see the faces. You know, those smiles and just seeing how excited they are to be here. And so, you know, one of the things I was thinking about this week is, you know, growing up, I think these kids are asking, like, am I okay? You know, is what I'm doing okay? And, and, and they need so much to hear the truth of not what they do, but who they are in Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's exciting that we got the opportunity to influence these kids for Jesus. And so to hear a little bit more, I want to bring up Jeanette to come talk about pre-K. And then I think they're going to sing a song. start going up we talked about in I did a three-year-olds this year and um, they're all so sweet we talked about how they were wonderfully made by God our first day we talked about Psalm 139 and um, <clears throat> we brought Mrs. McCaslin into our group so that we could talk about how they were wonderfully made when they were even in their mommy's tummies and in a world where um, nobody knows what their identity is these days it's important, I think, for them to know that God knew them before they were even born. And um, we talked about Jesus, and we talked about how he healed a blind man, and they put um, bandanas over their eyes, and they helped one another walk around, and they got to experience what it was like to be blind. And we shared the gospel with them, and um, they just had a great time. They did crafts, and they played games, and we even had glow-in-the-dark bowling, which was a lot of fun. And um, let's, pra- let's do our verse, guys. Ready? Ready. I am wonderfully made. Psalm 139.14. Do it one more time. I am wonderfully made. Psalm 139.14. Very good. And now they're going to do a song for you.
Thanks so much for that. That was great. Sometimes I feel like we need to be singing that song, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You can count on God, right? So great. So I'm going to invite up Kim to talk about K through six, and then they have a surprise for us as well. Thank you all so much for all of your prayers and donations. Um, it was an awesome week up here, just seeing how God has moved through um, all the helpers. If everyone in yellow shirts would stand up, there was over 50 people up here helping out, and this is just a small portion of those people, but they were just amazing watching Jesus work through them. Um, and then all those in orange and some of us aren't in orange, all of you guys, why don't you come up on stage? They're going to sing and dance for you. But first I want to tell you a couple things. Come on up. All of you can come up here. Um, those of you that have crafts, I give a few of you crafts, stand up in the front here. So some of those donations that you guys gave to us, we used in crafts, the M&M containers, the very first day, Aria, hold up your M&M container. We made flashlights out of those to, um, show the kids that we can shine for Jesus and we can also shine a light on hunger. We were raising money this whole week um, for Feed My Starving Children. And our goal was to provide 5,000 meals. And we just blew it out of the water. 88.52, I think. 8,852 meals is how much these kids brought in to provide. Um, we also made robots. What were they called? Marker bots? Katie, or you have one, don't you? Here, you want to hold that for me, Jameson? Pretty cool. So people donated stuff for those, and they made, um, you turned on the vibrating toothbrush, and it drew a picture for you. So we did that, and then these girls here have um, uh, a retro fidget spinner, I think is what we were calling that. So show them how that works <laughs> out of CDs. Very cool. So all week they were learning Bible stories. Hunter and Carice were awesome up here. Um, they were teaching the kids Bible stories about Nicodemus, about um, Jesus healing the blind man. Um, and the kids just learned to follow Jesus, to shine for Jesus, and uh, teaching the gospel all week long through um, Bible stories and in our classrooms and had a great time in the gym. I'll ask a couple of the kids what their favorite thing was. Mariah. Um, that... I got to see kids that don't come here to church every Sunday, and I saw kids that accepted Jesus into their hearts. Yes, it was awesome. Uh, I had the second and third grade group. We had about 50 kids between me and uh, Miss Tiffany every single day, and the majority of those kids were not even from our church. It was so awesome to see. How about you, Katie? What was your favorite part of EBS? Jim. Our gym was decked out. Mrs. Lynn did an awesome job. She had the whole thing lit up with black lights. You probably saw on the um, pictures up there. And so everything glue, our, all of our shirts were glow in the dark and everything in there. It was a, it was a great time. Um, Aria, what was your favorite part of this week? Jim. Jim. How about you, Vinny? Jim. Jim. Everyone loved Jim. All right. They are going to together say the verse. Are you guys ready to say the verse that you learned this week? All right. Go ahead. Awesome. All right, we're going to bring a few of our leaders that help lead worship up here, and they are going to sing Wired for you and dance for you. Are you ready? 
Come sing it now. One, two, three, let's go. I was made to do amazing things. I know, I know. I was made to be as handsome as feet. I know, I know. God made me to shine, makes me come alive, makes me want to live my life for Him. God made me to shine, makes me come alive, makes me want to another hand. They're incredible. <laughs> Alicia Curry, do you have your robot up here? All right. They, um, this was really cool here. Do we have that microphone somewhere? Somebody give her a microphone. Alicia, would you tell what that was all about here? This, this robot of yours. So for K1, it's extremely hard to write down all their prayer requests, um, especially when we have 23 to 25 kids in our class. So um, I gave them a widget to write on, and it's inside this box. So anything from their prayer requests from moms, dads, aunts, uncles, their fingers, their toes, you name it, it's probably in this box. So um, this is all their prayer requests for the entire week. 
Isn't that awesome? Inside this, their, their theme was gadgets and gizmos. They're making robots. So this was their, their, their prayer request in here. And we're going to pray over that this morning. Can we give our God a hand for our children and all these workers, man? What an awesome, awesome, awesome deal. Every week, our, uh, our children's team is down there. They're not babysitting, folks. They are ministering. They are making a difference. They're changing lives. So we don't run children's ministry so it's quiet up here. We run it so that we can change lives. Amen? And that's what that's all about. Lives are being changed every week, every Sunday. And in, starting in September, they start back up on Wednesday. And uh, lives are being transformed. There, there's nothing greater than to plant the seed of God into a young person's life. And if you plant it into a young person's life, watch what God will do. And so I've been thrilled to be a part of, part of a team like that. And that's what God is doing here in this church. And we're all about young people. Amen? We love old people too, but we, like our, we, we just really want our young people, right? We, we want to plant the seed of God into, into everybody who walks in our door. But we love our children. We love our teenagers in this church. And I'm thankful for the future that God is giving us here at the church. And uh, just uh, great days ahead as we... As we invest, you know, we plant, we plant acorns, God grows oak trees, amen? And so we just plant the seed of God and, and watch what he does. So we're going to pray over this in just a moment. Just a few, re, few uh, announcements here today. First of all, if you'll please pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we would appreciate that. And then uh, just a few announcements we have coming up here in August. We have a church-wide picnic. That'll be over here at Peterswood Park. Information's in your bulletin. Uh, please mark, uh, make plans to be here. That'll be a great time of uh, a fellowship, hanging out, and just spending, spending a, a, a portion of your day together. So that'll be after the services in the afternoon over at Peterswood Park, and that's coming up. Also, I want to thank everybody that was part of our July Jamboree. You know, we, we've, pra- we've planned so much for June Jamboree, and then we were underwater for that. It was just, a, it was like a river down there. You know, it didn't have enough snorkels, so we had to move it to July. And I asked you to pray for a drought for, for a week, and look what God did. He answered your prayers, folks, all right? Uh, all the way through Friday night, as, as the movie was ending out on the field, you know, we had over 500 people at that event. It was just an incredible day, uh, people coming and going throughout the day, there, throughout the evening. At the end of the movie, you could just see the clouds starting to roll in. And I was like, this is wonderful. And then I come up for Saturday night service yesterday, and it was the monsoon rainy season again. So thank you for praying for, for that, and God, God has been with us. And lives have been changed this week. Kids' lives have been transformed by the power of Jesus. Uh, out on this lawn, many people are coming and saying, man, you know, one day they're going to come back and say, look, I'm looking for, for God, and they're going to walk right in here, and God's going to transform lives. Isn't that powerful? So if you're here as our guest this morning, we welcome you here to Crossroads, and I would like to invite you to stop by our Welcome Center. We have a small gift to, to give to you just, just to say thank you for being here today. And uh, if, you are, if you are our guest here, as the offering comes your way this morning, feel free to let the offering pass you by. This is for those that are regular in the grace of giving. So at this time, if the ushers will come forward, and we'll, uh, we'll receive our morning offering. And uh, let's seek the Lord, shall we? And we're going to lift up these requests before the Lord. Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I thank you for all that you've done. God, you're transforming lives. I, I love to see what you've done here with these children, Lord. When we think of over 200 kids in this building, Lord, coming, uh, that, that you've allowed our people, our army of workers to be up here and, and to invest their life in eternity. God, I thank you that not one minute was a waste 
Not one minute of inconvenience, not one minute of, uh, of, of sacrifice was wasted for you, Lord, because you took their work and you're investing in lives to change lives and families will be transformed for many, many, many years to come. Thank you, God, for a church that is like that, where people love and care for each other, where they love and care for a community, and they make sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray now for these requests that I hold in my hand as the, the, the small children, Lord, kindergarten and first graders, have come in faith asking the God of the universe to work in their life. Lord, you said to let the children come unto you. Many times as adults, Lord, we like to, we like to be adults, but God, you said let the children come to you. So God, thank you that you've allowed the children to come to you and help us to keep that as our mission and our passion here to, to make this place a place where children will love you, where they will nurture you, where they will grow in you. So we lift up the request, Lord, as these children have written them and prayed all week over them and their teacher will continue to pray over them. God, I just ask that you'll transform lives, work in little kids' families, Lord, for their fingers, their toes, the, all their needs that they've represented here. They are big to you because they are big to your kids. In your name we pray, amen.
of Ephesians. We're calling it Ephesus, a book tour, uh, because the, uh, the, it was written to a group of people in this town called Ephesus. So uh, we started this about three weeks ago just to bring you up to where we're at on Ephesus. Uh, we're not going literally to the town of Ephesus. I know some of you have called asking when the tour leaves, but it's, we're not literally going to Ephesus, but we are taking a tour here through the book of Ephesians because it was a town out, out in what is now modern-day Turkey of, uh, of, that was uh, known as Ephesus. And, and that town was where Paul had had gone and written, uh, not just written, but he, was, he wrote a letter there, but he had planted a church there, and the church made great strides. Uh, the town was just filled with people that were worshiping false gods. It was, uh, it was a group of people, they worshiped this, uh, they worshiped this god Artemis. And this huge temple was built there, and Paul comes in with the spread of the gospel of Jesus. He takes the good news that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, he takes it into this town, Ephesus, and he plants a church, and hundreds of people come to Christ. I mean, he spends about two or three years there, and people's lives are transformed. And so the church at Ephesus is pretty close to, uh, to the heart of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is penning this letter. So we, uh, we spent a couple weeks on just a few verses from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can head on over there to Ephesians chapter 1. It'll be on the screen in just a few moments as well. But uh, I just, I just want to share with you that uh, the next few verses that we're going to get into, they really talk about who God is and who you are. Uh, and, and then as the book pro- progresses, he gets to some, to, to some real practical things like how to have a better marriage. Uh, Those are going to be some really great things that we're going to help and encourage you along the way. But what Paul does is he doesn't come, first of all, and attack, uh, he doesn't come after and attack how to change your behavior or something like that. He tells you who God is. And he tells you who you are in Christ. Because once you understand who God is, and once you understand who, who you are in Christ, your life is transformed. Then you can work on your marriage. Then you can work on relationships. Then you can be a better worker uh, uh, in, in your job. Then you can do all those other things. But, but the first thing that we have to deal with is learning who he is. Because when we understand who he is, and we understand that you are his child, you are the child of God. And as a matter of fact, Paul gets so excited here. He takes this and he writes down these verses in, in Ephesians chapter 1. From Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. All the way to down to verse 14 is one sentence in Greek, all right? One sentence, and the, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. That was the common language of the day, Koine Greek. It wasn't the king's Greek. It was common street Greek. So it'd be like writing in common street English today. Uh, the book, this book was written in common street Greek, all right? And so as they're writing the book in, uh, in, in street Greek, uh, he writes it, and it's one sentence. It goes from verse 4 down to verse 14. I was sharing that with somebody, and they said, oh, even the Greeks know what run-on sentences are, huh? And I said, no, I don't think that was what was going on there. I'm sure it was grammatically correct uh, according to Greek. But so, so what it is, it's one continuous thought. And so many times people come to the book of Ephesians and they'll take one of the thoughts from his one, so it's one sentence, one thought that he's trying to give and they'll capitalize on one part of it and they make, uh, they'll, they'll make big doctrines out of one part of it and they'll get really bent out of one part. So today I want you to understand that this is one thought, 
one big sentence. And as he's bringing this one big sentence, it's coming off the pen of the Apostle Paul, and he's just saying how wonderful God is. He wants you to praise. The objective is he wants you to praise your great God. And as you start to understand who you are in Christ, you will begin to praise him because it's just incredible. So the Apostle Paul is, 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 re, is writing this to this church at Ephesus. So I want you to catch this. I'm going to read it as though it were one long sentence. I'm going to come up for air every now and then, all right, folks? Are you ready? Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 14. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one whom he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he, pro, uh, which he purposed in Christ to be put into the effect when the times will have reached the fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. In him we also are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were in who were the first to hope in Christ might be there for the praise of his glory and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation having believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised holy spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of the uh, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory <sighs> the apostle paul is so overwhelmed with the goodness and the awesomeness of god and he's so overwhelmed with who we are what god has done for us that he just can't put his pen down He's telling them, he gives in, in those short verses there, which is one thought, he gives seven blessings. And I want you to put all these blessings together because sometimes people come along and they'll stop at verse 4 that he chose us and they won't get the rest of the passage. And they don't understand what God was trying to tell us here. They don't understand what the Apostle Paul, he is overwhelmed. Remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the group of believers at a town called Ephesus. People whose lives have been transformed. People who went out and transformed a city by the power of God. And they are, they are, they, he's, he's, he's encouraging them. And he's saying, understand who your God is. Uh, uh, the book of Ephesians is a classic book. It is filled with so much doctrine. So much, the word doctrine just means teaching. Right? So somebody tells you doctrine just means teaching. So filled with such powerful teaching to help us understand who God is. And that's our job here every Sunday. When you come in and out, I want you to know God. I don't want you just to feel good about life. I hope you do feel good when you walk out of here. But I hope it's because you've met with God. Amen? I want you to know God, not the church. I don't want you to know me. I want you to know God. And I hope that the community of, 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 of Christ here is doing incredible things, and I know it's happening. But more important than all of that is knowing who he is. And when you start to understand who he is, 
you start to understand who you are as his child. So let's look at seven blessings here. There are seven blessings that we see here uh, from the book of Ephesians to those that are in Christ. There's a phrase that we see, and it's about 15 times we see this phrase in the book of Ephesians, in Christ, in Christ. Many times we think of Christ in us. Now I want you to think this morning as the apostle Paul is telling us, in Christ. He says in verse 3 that in Christ we have the blessing. We have everything that we need. Last week we talked about the richest man on the planet right now is Bill Gates. $86.6 billion. Kind of nice, isn't it? But God's blessings to you are way more than $86.6 billion. And you say, I wouldn't mind having a little dose of that blessing, wouldn't you? 86.6, I'll settle for 8 million, right? Uh, I'll settle for 6 million. No, I'll settle for 0.6. All right, anyhow. Uh, listen, God has given you so much more. If all of his blessings were only to be used here on earth, it would be short-lived. If he were to give you $86 billion and that were his only blessing, your blessing would die when you died. And as you got older, you wouldn't even be able to use it anymore. You know, go visit some nursing homes. $86 billion doesn't do anything when you can't walk down the hall, can it? I can't do anything when your mind is gone. And so God has given you blessings that will far exceed this little short period. If you have 90 or 100 years on earth, it will do way more. God's blessings are way more than what he has given to us here on earth. First blessing here, he chose us. He chose you to be his child. He chose you to be blameless and holy. Now, I want you to think about this because in Christ, you are blameless and you are holy. My wife doesn't think I'm too holy sometimes. My wife definitely doesn't think I'm blameless because I get all the blame for everything that happens around the house. I'll just tell you that. For everything that doesn't happen, it's always dad's fault. Have you ever noticed that? But in Christ, now check this out. In Christ, God sees me with the holiness of Jesus Christ. He sees me as blameless as Jesus because it's the work of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. I want you to be encouraged because if you are in Christ, if you have opened your heart to Jesus and trusted his sacrifice on the cross, in Christ, you are holy before God the Father. You are blameless. That is awesome. That is who you are. And he says that you have been chosen. Don't let that word chosen trip you up. I think sometimes people read into this passage what it doesn't say. They think, well, if I'm chosen, then that means my neighbor's not chosen. That's not what this passage is teaching. This passage is teaching about who God is. And I want you to understand who God is. God had a plan. It says that before the foundations of the earth, before creation happened, look here at verse 4. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, he chose us before the foundations of the world. And let, let's, just go, let's just rewind here. Before the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden was Adam, Eve, and all the animals, all the all this great stuff, one tree you dare not eat of. And they ate of the tree, and their sin entered the picture. God had a plan before Adam and Eve were ever created to redeem mankind. God had a plan for you to come to Christ. That was the plan. The plan was, let's go back to God's original purpose for creation. 
In, uh, you are created in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, in the image and likeness of God. You are created in his image. You were created to fellowship with God. That's your very reason. That's your very purpose to be alive is to have fellowship with God. And sadly, we live in a world where, where we don't even consider that most of the time. We're more consumed with, with our jobs. We're more consumed with entertainment. We have all these things. And as you get older, the more you have the entertainment, the more you have these jobs, they just don't meet the need inside. It's really empty. So I'm so thankful that God has had a plan, and his plan is for us to connect to him. And so that was the very reason we were created. So before the foundation of the earth, God has a plan for, you to, for, for humans to have a relationship with him. And so it is part of God's choosing. He chooses to love us. It was his decision to love us. Now consider that. He, he, what does this mean when it says that he, he has come to love us? Uh, it means this. He has chosen us. We did not choose him. Uh, the whole thing, this was God's love. God is pursuing you. I've heard people say through the years that, well, you know, whenever I first started seeking God, and that's a great thought, but the reality is that God is seeking you. Uh, you're here this morning because God is seeking you. God has placed something in your heart, uh, some sort of desire, and you're reaching out to him because God has placed it in your heart to reach out to him. It is so awesome. It, 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 it's, it's like this. Um, you know, when my kids were born, uh, about 21 years ago, I went over to St. Clair Hospital, and uh, my wife and I came back with a little child. It was so cool, you know? You go into the hospital, and you come out with a child. It was really cool. And I, I come home with a little Carice. She's my little sweet child, and, and I chose to love Carice. She's my child, but I chose to love my child. And it's incredible that I've gotten to, uh, that I was able to choose to love my child. And you know in today's world that there are some people that choose not to love their children. It's a, it's a, it's a scary place to be out here right now, isn't it? But I chose to love my child. And I poured into my child. And I love and I care for, care for my child. Two years later, we went back to St. Clair Hospital and got another baby. It's so cool, you know. Uh, we, we come back out. I, I think they may give them away over there. I don't know what's going on over there. But uh, you, you go over there, and I came back, and this one had red hair. It was so awesome. And so I'm coming home, and now i got two children. So I have a Carice, and I have a Kara. And I choose to love Kara. I choose to love Carice. I choose to love Kara. I pour, because I am dad, and it's who I am. And I pour into that kid, and I love them, and I invest into them. Can those kids frustrate me? Yeah, they can frustrate me. doesn't change my love for them. Can, 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 they, can, they, uh, can they return in discussion now? They call that talking back when I was a kid, right? You bet they can do that. Does it change my love for them? No. I love my kids without condition. My kids can tell me, I don't ever want to see you again, Dad. I'll cry. It would hurt me. But I'll never not love my kids. And that's the way it is with God. He has chosen to love us. So I want you to think, understand this. As a child of God, this is the gift that God has chosen to love you. And understand who he is. It's his character. God is love. He chose you. You didn't choose him. And, and it's awesome. And what is really cool is just to balance that. And Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That means whoever anybody 
who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. They will have eternal life if you open your heart and simply trust Christ. There's none of this, okay, nobody has an opportunity. No, no, everybody on the planet has an opportunity. So there are two things when you hear the word choose. There's man's free will, and then there's God's will, God's plan. God is loving. He's chosen to love us. By the way, he has also chosen to give every human the opportunity to be his child every opportunity. So man has a freedom of choice and God has his choice, right? So God chooses to love and man has an opportunity to accept or not accept. God's will, man's will. How do they work together? When we get to heaven, we'll know. God will reveal that to us. But right now we know there are two truths from God's word. God's word says that he won't knock your door down. You get to open your heart to him. But on the other hand, God loves you, and he's pursuing you. And he's pursuing every human that's ever lived. He's coming, and he's saying, I want you to have my love. I died on the cross. I sent my own son, Jesus. He's chosen us. Now, I told you there were seven blessings, so I hope you packed your lunch today. It's going to be a good day here, all right? Um, Our destiny is certain. Our destiny is certain. He said, that, that's the other thing that, that understanding the chosen. You know, if I get on an airplane and they close the door, they seal that door, that airplane starts taxiing down the runway and the, air, the pilot comes on. Okay, folks, uh, we're preparing for takeoff or number four on the runway. Or we're having a nice, we plan to be in Atlanta in an hour and 12 minutes. I, my destiny is certain. I'm on that plane. I'm not getting out of that plane. Um, you know, if I tried, I'd be in jail, right? And that's what happens. You can't get out of that plane. But my destiny is certain. We get up in the air, and the pilot changes his mind. He wants to go to Miami. I'd be all right with that. But uh, we're going to Miami then. My destiny is wherever that pilot's taking us. Uh, if the plane gets hijacked, my destiny is into the side of a mountain. Uh, and you see, that my destiny is on that plane. I am in there. And I want you to think of that as Christ. You are in Christ and wherever Christ is taking you, that's your destiny. What's our final destination? Heaven. We get to be in heaven forever with, with our God, the one who loves us, the one who gave himself for us. And he gives you this opportunity to have eternal life, a life that begins now, that starts now. He has chosen us to be his children. Our destiny is certain. Uh, the, the next thing here, he says that he's adopted you. Ephesians 1 verse 5 Uh, In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one whom he loves. Uh, in, In Christ, it's in Christ that he has adopted us. I love whenever I hear people that have adopted children. It's, it's just incredible when you know that, that somebody has adopted a child. Adoption speaks volumes. Adoption says to the one being adopted, you are loved, you are valued, you are accepted. And the Apostle Paul, he's saying to you this morning, in Christ, your father has adopted you into his family. And you are loved, you are valued, you're accepted. And the the condition of your adoption is what he did on the cross. You won't be not adopted if you're bad. You won't be kicked out of the family of God because of your struggles. 
because of your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, none of that will separate you from the love of God. And he, that's the kind of God he is. He says, I have adopted you. Why does he use that word adoption? Because everybody is born into the human race. And we have a sense of brotherhood with all humans, don't we? We, we are humans, the, the, the human brotherhood. But there's the family of God now. And when you open your heart and simply trust Christ, trust, his child, trust him in childlike faith, God says that you're part of his family. And he adopts you into his family. He says, you are mine. I love you with an everlasting love. And he is the one who's pursued you and brought you into his family. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the act of him saving is him doing the work. It's not you. You can't do the work. It's what he has done. He's done the work. The next, the next blessing here says that we are redeemed. You are redeemed. God has redeemed you. And redeemed is kind of a, kind of a nice church word that you often hear. Uh, redeemed. I remember as a kid, we used to sing an old hymn, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. His child and forever I am. And redeemed is a, a word that you don't hear too much. I think of redeemed whenever I'm redeeming a coupon. You know, you get a coupon, you want to go, uh, go get uh, buy one, get one free. You know, on the fine print it says re- redeemable at certain locations, at select locations. Uh, the word redeem means to buy back, to buy back. And here's, here's the context that was in, in biblical days. He says that you've been redeemed. It's like a slave in the market. And they, they, had, they would have these slaves, and they'd be out in the market, and the, the, the mar- uh, out in the marketplace. The slave would just stand there, and he'd be waiting for somebody else to come and buy him. And he would go from one master to the next. And your hope would be that you would get a, a master who would at least treat you halfway decent, and that you could work and have a, have a halfway uh, somewhat livable condition. But the slave would stand there and just wait for somebody else to buy him. There was a term, a technical term called manumission. And manumission was this. When, a, when somebody would come and see the slaves up for sale at the market and say, I'll take that slave, and they buy that slave and let them go. They're no longer a slave, but they paid the price for a slave. They paid the full price for the slave to be a slave. They purchased the slave, and then they say, you are now free. You are no longer a slave, and they let them go. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying happened to you. If you have opened your heart and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you were once on the slave market like this. And you were a slave to sin. Uh, The wages of our sin is death. If I get what I deserve, I deserve deserve to be separated from God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But yet Jesus came to the slave market and he says, I'll purchase you. I'll purchase you, and I'm going to give you manumission. I'm going to let you go free. You are free. You are free in Christ. He says that we have been redeemed. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Uh, we We have been redeemed, and we have been forgiven. This morning I want you to think of it like this. Here is, uh, here's God, uh, uh, you know, we think of God up in heaven. And then we think of man down here on earth. But yet we have this issue that has caused us to be separated from him. Our sin comes and our sin holds us, holds us back from that relationship. 
The very reason that you were made was to be connected to God. And so you come along and, and, and we have sin, whether it's just a little, little lie or just a little, uh, a, a little cheating on the income tax or just a little speeding ticket. Uh, you don't even need a ticket to be speeding, right? So, but I happen to find the tickets. Anyhow, so you, you, you just happen, you know, and you start to go through this, just this little bit of, little bit, my little bit, right? Well, God says that little bit, His holiness must deal with it because He is holy he is just, and he follows through on his word. He says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he has to satisfy his holiness. And on the other hand, he's love. So he has to satisfy his love because his love, he is love. The scripture says that he is love. It is who he is. His very nature is love and justice. So here you do, you come along, and this is what most people do in life. Most people come along, and this is where most religions are at out there. They're trying to figure out how to break through and have this connection to God. Most people, most churches are filled up trying to tell you how to be a better person, trying to help you fill up and, and turn over a new leaf. Well, I'm not here to help you turn over a new leaf. I'm here to help you understand that you can't break that barrier. Sin has separated us from God. That is why Jesus said, I'll be the one who will redeem. I'll be the one who forgives. And so, and as a matter of fact, he says it's through his blood. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, so this whole book, this whole Bible is not about you getting to God. It's all about how God came to get to you. That is awesome. This God of the heaven came down to get to you. So when we think of this, that God came to get to you, it's how he broke the barrier and he's come down. He's come down so that you are no longer a slave to sin and that you can come off the market and to be forgiven. Uh, he says through the blood. In the Old Testament, they understood this. Uh, uh, there was, they would offer a blood sacrifice. That was the way they would worship. They would come in. And God had told them once a year to come in for the Day of Atonement and for other times too. But on the Day of Atonement, they would come in and they would bring a goat and they would sacrifice the goat. And I, saw, I told the Saturday night congregation last night, I said, I'm so thankful we don't do that anymore because my job would be radically different today, wouldn't it? You know, I'd be coming to work with gloves on every day. And, uh, you know, it would be so different uh, of style. But what would happen was they would come and it was symbolic of things to come in Christ. But they didn't know that. They knew that the Messiah would one day come. But they came and they trusted God. And God said, I want you to slay this goat. I want you to slay this lamb on the altar and use that blood symbolically. Uh, and, 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 and they would do that be part of their worship and it would represent the forgiveness of sin. And Hebrews says that the blood of goats and lambs could not save anybody. It was only the blood of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. But there was an interesting thing that happened. There was not only was there the, the, the lamb that they would bring, or their goat that they would bring in to slay, they would bring in a second goat. And the second goat in Leviticus chapter 16 was known as the scapegoat. And what they would do, so not only would they, would they, would they take the lamb and they would slay the lamb and, and the blood would be on the altar and, and we'd, we'd have this blood sacrifice, but they would have this other, lamb, the, this other goat and they would come and they would 
the priest would lay hands on the goat, symbolically representing transfer of the sin onto this goat. And then they would take the goat out, and they would, a man would take him out and wander far away from the building and let the goat go run wild. And the goat would never come back to the worship. And so God was putting on a multimedia presentation. That's what they had. They didn't have video projectors then. They had goats. They had animals. And this was God's multimedia pre- presentation 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. And, and here he is, and the goat that was slain, the blood they saw. And then they saw the scapegoat. And the scapegoat never came back. You ever felt like a scapegoat? You ever called somebody a scapegoat? It originated in Leviticus chapter 16. Kind of wild where our language comes from. Look at the influence of the Bible and how we speak today. Because that, you know who was our ultimate scapegoat? It was Jesus. He took our sin at the cross. He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve to die. He goes out and he takes our sin on the cross. And that goat goes back. And Psalm 100 verse, uh, 103 verse 12 says this. It says that as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins. He has taken our sin and removed it. The sin that you're dealing with, that you're struggling with, that is troubling you. God says, if you will just trust me, you'll be in Christ. And I will take your sin as far as the east is from the west. The east and the west never meet, folks. The scapegoat, Jesus takes your sin. He doesn't deserve it. And God made this picture for us to see that. So anybody that had a little bit of background in that day, they knew what the scapegoat was. They knew the context of forgiveness. It's the lamb that was slain, the scapegoat. This is what Jesus has done for you. Those are just a few of the blessings. We don't have time to get to the rest of them today. I'm just so excited. Go home and read them because God has given so much to you. I want to encourage you to, be a, to understand who you are in Christ. You are his child. And as a child of God, you have all this coming. It is who he is. It's he, you are that valued. I know I often don't think of myself with that kind of value. I often think of myself with the value of, of low. God says... I have high value for you. You are so valuable to God that he gave his one and only son to pay for your sin. I would say you're pretty valuable. Let's go home and live overwhelmed by his grace. Let's go home and live overwhelmed by who he is. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to encourage you. God has given you the opportunity today. Whosoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The invitation is for you. It's God's work. He's the one who's doing it. And he's offering you, to you today eternal life in Christ. He's offered it to every one of these children that you saw up here. We've been telling them all week about how much Jesus loves them and And many of them have opened their heart to God and said, yes, Jesus, I trust you. God says he wants you to do the same. Just like the little children, he wants you to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. So if that's you today, you're ready to trust him, I I want to lead you in a prayer. You can just whisper this prayer 
quietly inside to God. Just whisper something to God like this. Dear God, I want to trust you today. I come to you and I give you my sin. And I realized this morning that you're the scapegoat. You're the one that took my sin as far as the east is from the west. You died on that cross. You paid for my sin. And you brought me back, Lord. Thank you for setting me free. I invite you into my life right now. And for others in this place, maybe you have not yet. You, you've just, you're just not living like a child of God. You, you're running. You're, you're, you're not considering the value that you have in Christ. You're, you're just kind of all over the map. Today, I want to ask you to, to put your focus back onto the cross, onto his blood, on his redemption, and just thank him for who he is. What a great God. He's worthy to be praised. Will you leave here realizing who you are in Christ? Father God, be with your people now as we respond. Lord, as we don't just be hearers of the word, but doers, we take it in and we respond to your goodness, to your greatness, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you for the way you've loved us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing a closing song. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, I'd encourage you to do so this morning. Let's thank God for who we are in Christ and who He is.
We're so glad you're here with us this week. I uh, hope you have a great week, and we'll see you again next Sunday.